0: Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Today's episode has been sponsored by Serial Box. Serial Box delivers addictive book content in short listen or read installments, designed to fit into today's fast-paced mobile lifestyle. Switch between listening and reading with a single click, picking up right where you left off. Learn more at serialbox.com. S-E-R-I-A-L-B-O-X.com. I am so excited to be here with Gretchen Rubin today. Gretchen is the best-selling author of many books, including the number one New York Times bestseller, The Happiness Project. She's also written Happier at Home, The Four Tendencies, Better Than Before, and her latest book, Outer Order, Inner Calm. Her books have sold over 3.5 million copies worldwide in more than 30 languages. Gretchen hosts the podcast, Happier, with Gretchen Rubin, which she co-hosts with her sister, Elizabeth Kraft. She hosts video courses, has spoken at 200-plus events, including TEDx conferences, and has appeared in the Today Show, Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, and many other TV shows a former lawyer and Supreme Court Justice Clerk to Sandra Day O'Connor. She currently lives in New York with her husband and two daughters. So welcome, Gretchen. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Oh, I'm so happy to be talking to you. (laughs) So you've achieved so much at this point. Your pile of books is sitting here next to us. You have a podcast, the books, you've spoken everywhere, you've done all these things. You started as a Supreme Court Justice Clerk. Clerk, Clerk yeah. <laughs> obviously, not. yeah. Oh, yeah, after yeah. that gig. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what took you from there to this sort of new realm of self-improvement and wanting to help everyone else with all the things that you've learned on your own? Well, as you said, I started out my career in law, and so I—and for
1: all the wrong reasons, all the classic mistakes. It's a great education. I'm good at research and writing. I can change my mind later. It's good preparation for other things. And so I, so I was clerking on the Supreme Court, and I think that— part of me always wanted to be a writer because I did everything that a person would do to prepare to be a writer. I majored in English. I always wrote tons of papers instead of taking exams, all that kind of thing. I wrote a novel for credit in law school. That should have been a clue. But <laughs> at that time, weirdly enough, I didn't see a place for myself in the writing world. So I knew I didn't want to be a novelist or a playwright or a poet. I knew I didn't want to be an academic writer. And I knew I didn't want to be a journalist of any kind. And I, I don't know. I just, I had always read fiction. I didn't really read nonfiction. And I didn't, think of the ways that I could write nonfiction. And so I just didn't see a place for myself, I think, in the writing world. And then when I was clerking, I had this epiphany where I was, like, on my lunch break and walking around. And I thought, what am I interested in that everyone else in the world is interested in? Just sort of as a rhetorical question for my own amusement. And I thought, well, power, money, fame, sex. And it was like, power, money, fame, sex. And I became obsessed with Power Money, Fame Sex. and I started doing all this research and taking notes, which is something I do all the time. But this was just growing and growing and growing. And finally, I thought, this is the kind of thing somebody would do to write a book. And then I thought I could write that book. And then I had the idea that maybe I would try to switch to writing. And so I got a book from the bookstore called something like How to Write and Sell Your NonFiction Book Proposal and just follow the directions. And so that was and that was my first book, Power Money, Fame Sex. And you met my first editor, Greer yes, Kessel I Hendricks, did. who's yes. now famous as a novelist of the, what Anonymous Girl and the— The Wife Between Us. The Wife Between Us. So that's just, like, fun. And, so, and then I wrote a biography of Winston Churchill and a biography of JFK and this weird art book about, called Profane Waste, which is why owners destroy their own possessions, which is something that obsessed me in law school. And then I started writing the books about kind of happiness and habits. And from the outside, they look very different. But on the inside, they all feel very related to me because they're all about human nature. And that's really my subject. So I'm always looking at a different aspect of human nature. So to me, they all feel like of a kind, even though from the outside, I see that people are sort of like, there's my kind of my writing breaks in half or half of it is like after happiness. But then the, the other part was also about all those things as well.
0: Huh. I loved The Happiness Project. I remember oh. reading it when it came out. And as like a, a frenzied mom in New York City, oh. I like could see myself being a little I'm sure. Well, exactly. we live in the same neighborhood. Like- so you're like, <laughs> I know that crosstown bus. It's
1: I've been on that
0: I've been stuck on that crosstown bus. Yeah. It's so true. So my question really, you dug into this topic so deeply, right? Especially for the first like let's just take the first book. Yeah. After you wrote it, did it really help? Do you feel like yes. I felt so much happier? All these tips have really paid off.
1: You know, I think the distinction I would make is, like, I am still have the same nature. Like, right. if I'm lying in bed at night and I'm trying to fall asleep, like, I am come back to the same place. But my experience of my life truly is so much happier. Like, I have so much more fun. I have so much more adventures. I have more friends. I have more excitement. I make better decisions about how to use my time and my energy and my money. I have less things that make me feel guilty or anxious or angry, or annoyed. I have a very kind of short temper. So a lot of what I do is aimed at like being able to stay calm mm-hmm. and being, you know, I feel better. I, yes, because I think studying it really just helped me understand the consequences of the kind of decisions that I was making, sometimes mindfully and sometimes unconsciously. So, like, a good example is should I go to my college reunion? It's like, it's kind of a pain. I don't know who else is going. It's expensive. I'm gonna have to make a hotel reservation. Like, is it going to be fun? Was it that fun last time? And now I'm like, hey, look, all the research shows and ancient philosophers agree relationships are a key to happiness. Anything that broadens or deepens relationships is going to make you happier. I should definitely go to my college reunion. Now, I get it that some people hate college reunions, fine. But for me, I kind of like reunions. It's like, weigh that in and think like, is this the kind of thing that's likely to make you happier? And I'm like, yeah, because I'll reconnect with old friends and old memories and I'll probably have a great time. Did you go? Did you? Oh yeah, I go. Okay, I go. (laughs) I started out in one class, but graduated in another class, so I go to both of those reunions. Oh my gosh! Here's an important tip: they will let you go to any reunion as long as you pay. You can go (laughs) to any reunion you want. Uh You don't have to be. It doesn't have to be your year. And I go to my law school reunion and my husband's law school reunion because I'm friends with so many people in his class. Our law school, yeah, law school is so small. We all we knew a lot of the same people. So I'm going to a reunion like. And then I go to my high school reunion, so I go to reunions all the time. So I do like them. I get that some people don't like them. The point is just like, should you go out of the way to go to that wedding? Should you make the trip to see your friend's new baby? Should you make the effort to go to the funeral? Should you, you know, should you show up to that after work cocktail party? It's like, on balance, if you're trying to decide, relationships tend to make people happier. And so in the end, that's probably going to be a
0: good choice. I love this because I can be very indecisive about things like that. Yeah, but it's hard sometimes yeah. to decide. I'm like asking people, what do you think? Well, yeah. I don't know. And then I, I usually second guess my decisions. Yeah. Like I book the whole trip and then I'm like, I don't know what's coming up. I know,
1: <laughs> I know. So here's another good question. Choose the bigger life.
0: I was just gonna I was just oh. gonna bring that up yeah. from your from your new book about how you were debating getting a dog yes. and you were like, choose the bigger life. And I yeah. loved that because it's like because always you, expand, right? Yeah, it's
1: basically because you're right, though, because it, you can be indecisive because it's like the pros and the cons just sometimes weigh. Right. You know, they just balance. Right. And you're like, oh, I don't know, it's going to be massively inconvenient, but will it be worth it? It's, I don't know. Yeah. So choose the bigger life sometimes helps with decision-making, yeah.
0: I find. And even, like, will I be glad afterwards that I will? Yes. Yes. Not the yes. will it be worth the schlep.
1: Yes. That wait, what's that called? There's a there's a, actually a psychological term for that. It's like retrospect. Uh, I don't know hindsight. Uh, yeah. Bias? yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, hindsight that, bias. Or something. Hindsight or, or, something or, or something. It's, something it's, like that. It's, there is hindsight bias.
1: I'm this pulling is my psychology. I, no, no, no. There is. But this is like this is like there's rosy prospection,
0: which this is not. I forget, but it's um, something. Yeah, it's, there's something to it. <laughs> there's 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 a word for that. Happier at Home, your next book. What tips can you give from that book in general for stressed, busy parents, like the way you found yourself a while ago? Well, the,
1: the first, the main point is that I think for most people, home is at the heart of happiness. And so it really is worth thinking about how could you make your home more pleasant, more comfortable, a place of kind of, I think if you live with a family, it's like, how do you have like, tenderness and affection it's very easy especially when you have little kids to like sort of feel like you spend all your time like yelling Mm -hmm. and reminding and you know doing the most minor juggling the calendar it feels sort of you know soul crushing but it has to be done perfectly I feel like it's like a paralegal it's not that it's hard but it's like you cannot leave that four-year-old on the street corner (laughs) I mean like that you know and so it has to be done perfectly so it's hard So a couple of things that I learned from that book that really made a difference that were also didn't take much time, energy, or money. One is that, and and almost everything I talk about is something that you could do just by yourself with no one else's cooperation, because the sad fact is is (laughs) you can't get other, you can't give people homework, you can't get them to do it. But in my case, my family, I said, what if we all tried to make a habit of giving each other really warm hellos and goodbyes. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like we're not acknowledging each other. We're just sort of staying absorbed in whatever we're doing. And it's kind of a lonely feeling when you come home and nobody seems to really care. Or when you're leaving and no one seems to really notice. And everybody really, I have to say, got on board with that. And so now it's like, you know, you get a proper hello, a kiss, whoever's home comes to you. And now that we have a dog, I'm like, that's the bar. I should be at least as happy to see my husband as my dog is happy to see my husband, you know. (laughs) But that's something you can do where it does... Create a you know an atmosphere of tenderness, which I think is very nice. A thing that I love from that book that I'm still obsessed with is the sense of smell, because that is a pleasure that we don't have to plan it. It doesn't cost anything. There's no calories. You can't bookmark it for later. You just have to enjoy it right now. But it's such a source of pleasure if you dial into it. I actually took a a perfume class at Pratt Institute. Yeah. Yeah, because I just wanted to. Have my appreciation for scent heightened because it is so, like, if you just ignore it, it's as if it it just goes away. And if you pay attention to it, it can really become much more of your conscious experience and it can be so wonderful. Mm -hmm. A friend
0: gave me some hyacinths and I'm like,
1: that may be my very favorite smell in the whole world is the smell of hyacinth flowers. Thanks to yeah.
0: this other author I had on, Beth Ricconati, who wrote a book called Braided: A Journey of a Thousand Hollas, it inspired mm. me to start making challah on Fridays. Uh, oh, goodness. and the smell—like, forget how, forget how the bread tastes. Like, yes. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But oh. our home on Fridays—I I haven't bet. done it yet—and it's a Friday, but it smells just like yes. it's amazing. Well, and there's such a cozy,
1: so, yeah. lovely feeling. Yeah, that. See, that's great. That's that's exactly
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. But now yeah. I have even more data. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So, your latest book, Outer Order, Inner Column, gives. A whole new set of tips, which I completely relate to, about how to keep things in order. And I feel like, you know, you said there are different types of people, and it doesn't always make people feel right, as yeah. calm to have yeah. uncluttered space. But after I read your book, I like took everything off this bulletin you board did. in front of me. Yes. Oh, good! Because I was like, you know what? It started off blank, and I now I had like holiday cards, and yeah. I know it's March. You know, yes. <laughs> like, so but see, I'm so happy to hear that because
1: my fantasy for this book, because it's written in this like very playful, quick way, like you yes. can just feed through this book. My fantasy is that. If you just read, like, half of it, you would just throw it over your shoulder and go running to a medicine cabinet or something. So the idea that you were like, I've got to clean up my bulletin board. That's yeah. perfect. That's exactly right. It's supposed to be, after I recorded the audiobook, my director emailed me a picture of her bef- her office before and after, because after I left, she cleaned out her whole office. So funny. Because she just heard me record. I was like, is she even really paying attention to what I'm saying, or is she just listening to see if I'm mispronouncing words? Which I was. Oh, <laughs> But good. Oh, I'm so so excited because your bulletin board looks gorgeous. Oh, thanks. It's like a beautiful deep blue (laughs) with just a few things. Excellent.
0: Yes, I really appreciate also the part when you said, are you in the season of stuff? Yes. Because, you know, I have two little kids. I'm out of, I think we're officially out of the stroller now for good. It's been in like in the basement for a while. But there's still so much, you know, Stop. little hats and gloves and like just oh. so much stuff. And you said parents of young children have to deal with a lot of stuff, and that stuff often creates clutter. If you're irritated by all this clutter, remember, it will pass. Although at one time keeping a stroller in the hallway drove me crazy, now I think back with intense nostalgia, ah, remember those days when we had a baby in a stroller?
1: <laughs> I know, it is true.
0: So how do you get through it in the moment? If you're yeah. one of these people like me, and I think like you, yeah. likes every— who functions yes. better when things around them are in order. Yes. When you have so many external factors weighing in on you. Yeah.
1: It, that is hard. I think that is hard. No, like we had a giant plastic slide in the middle of our— Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I can't. It just kind of it was just an irritant, you yeah, know, just that yeah. it was out of place one thing is, I don't know if you feel this way, but often the things that are precious to our children are precious to us. And anything that we associate with our children is precious. And that can make it hard for people to let go of things. And so maybe you have 50 stuffed animals that are just all over the apartment, but your child only really plays with three. And yet you're like, but but what about this one? We got this at that birthday party, and oh, she was so excited to get this one, and oh, she gave this one a funny name, and you know, it's like each one is precious. What I found is I got to get rid of things pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. because the longer I have them, the more sentiment it attaches, and then it's more deep into their early childhood, and so then it, it has that layer, so I'm like, eliminate as fast as you can. So there was a period, my children, my two daughters are very far apart in age, they're six years apart, so we We had a lot of stuff for a long time because we were, like, we're just waiting for the one to get big enough to play with, like, the Fisher-Price farmhouse or whatever. And then we did a massive thing, and I'm like, I got to get rid of this stuff now or it's going to be really, really hard to get rid of it later. And so let's really pick the best things, the things that we were going to keep forever because they're that good and that precious. And give all the things away. So the season of stuff is like, stay on top of it. Don't let it accumulate. And don't do something like, oh, I'll just put it in a box and put it in the attic or take it to my summer house. or You know, because then it just becomes this gigantic, festering pile of stuff. Or like people who are like, I can't decide what of my child's to keep, so I'll just put it all in boxes and figure it out later. Well, you're never going to feel like figuring it out. Figure it out now and only keep the things that you want to keep.
0: Okay, I needed that. <laughs> I, I, it's a while, hard. I did a big purge of stuffed animals yeah. a while ago. You did. But I had my son, so my son like loves taking pictures, so uh-huh. I had him take a picture of all of them. That's a then great we, we idea. Made, we made it into one of those iPhoto like Brilliant. Apple books. Yes. I had him like write little descriptions. Brilliant. This is blah, 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 and I got him at blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I just like— <laughs> got rid of all the stuffed animals. That is brilliant. Except for a couple. But now we at least have a record of them. No, no, no. But that's all you need. Of course, now a hundred more have popped up. They, like, come from everywhere. It's like, I don't know where all the stuffed animals come from. I know, I know. But at least that batch was... But that's a great idea. I think taking a picture of it
1: also because a lot of times you, you like I like there's some adorable sweater or something or like right, they, you yeah. know. But if you take a picture, you don't all you want is the memory that's associated with it. So a picture is just as good as the thing itself. And probably better because if it's put away, you're not gonna get a whole bunch of clothes out, but you might easily flip through. You could be like on a Saturday afternoon, oh let's look at this book that we made together. Like it could would be really fun. Yeah. And he could keep it forever. There's no way. Like, by the time he goes to college, he's not going to have the fifty. The fifty stuffed animals. Something will have happened to them at some point. So this way, you really know that it's actually a safer way to safeguard the memories.
0: I've also I have six years between my oh, older kids and my two little kids. Oh uh, yeah. And I was saving all the stuff. Yeah. And after like two years, I was like, literally four years from now, I'm not going to remember where I put those boots. Yes. Like I'm not gonna I can't. Yes. I can't keep these. Like yeah. by that time, I will yes. buy like twenty dollar boots for I mean, like. Amazon and I am not going to like have the mental energy of trying to track down the boots. Sure, (laughs) sure, and you won't remember in time, and I won't remember in time.
1: And but also, that's in the book. I talk about the someday someone rationale, which is that someday someone will want this book. Someday someone, and it's like, but but will they think of it in the right time and in the right place? I mean, this literally happened to me last night. Okay, I just read this book about outer order. You think my house would be outer order, uh, you know, to the extreme, which it is not. So it's up in the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep with it. Okay, I'm going to go clean out our utility closet. And in it, there were like six giant plastic bags that I guess we got when we bought some in—like a car seat or Mm -hmm. something, some huge plastic bag, which I had clearly kept thinking, these could really come in handy. (laughs) And I looked at them, and and they take up a lot of room because they're just these giant plastic bags. And I kept—and I was like, well, should I get rid of them? But they could really come in handy. And I was like, except for the fact that I have not used them and did not even know that they were here for maybe a decade. You know, I can get rid of these things. So this someday someone will want to use this giant plastic bag— like eh, maybe not, yeah. and if you've had it for a long time and never used it, then you know that someday someone isn't using it because you're not using
0: it at all. The other tip that I use that you put in your book, I had this unfortunate experience of having to go through a friend of mine's possessions who had passed away. Oh, that's at a young so age. hard. And so oh, when I was really hard, but now I have this eye to my stuff. Like, yes. if I'm going to make somebody clean out this stuff when I die, yes, do I want them to have to go through this? Yes. like is this worth keeping? Yes, and so it makes yeah. it easier to toss. Well, so when I read that in your book, I was like, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah,
1: because because the fact is somebody's going to have to deal with Someone it at some it. point. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. Not, I mean, it won't be. Yeah, me. yeah, be. yeah, yeah. But, but still. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it, there there's nothing like, you know, stuff jammed under the bed or like weird closets that never nobody yeah. ever goes into. No, I mean, I think, you know, once you're a grown-up and people start losing their parents, it's a huge mm-hmm. issue for some people because their parents have like an attic, a basement, a two-car garage, three bedrooms. They're in the suburbs. Yeah. And it's just like the amount of stuff that can accumulate is just and then and then it's so much to deal with at a mm-hmm. time when you're really in shock and grief. I'm really lucky both my parents and my in-laws both really and i think some people do this as kind of a it's like a maturation thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they just get to the stage where they just really want to get rid of a lot of stuff and so both of them really have households that are, everything is used it's like maybe they have china but it's like we actually use this at, Ch- at christmas or you know here's this there's no like mystery like collections of things or so I feel really lucky because they wouldn't. Yeah. There's nothing to sort through. We'd have to decide what to do with it, but it's not like, what is this? Or, yeah. you know, what's the significance of this thing? Yeah.
0: And your other tip, and I'll stop <laughs> throwing all these tips back, but they're so useful. Oh, that's not great... having uh, too many of one thing. <gasps> yes, like stockpiling. When, when I get a whole new, I'm like, I can never find a hair thing. I'm just going to yeah. buy like three goodie packages yeah, of yes, those things. Yeah. And I'm, then I'll never lose them. Yeah. And now somehow, like, they all disappear. Yes. But when I have the one left, yes. I don't lose it. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I don't know how that happens. It is I the take strangest such good thing. I of it. I don't lose the one. Yeah. But when
1: I have too many, forget it. That's the thing, like AirPods. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't get a backup pair because, you know, will never be able to yeah. find any. One it's like you, Yeah, sunglasses. Thing like you said. Yeah. One pair of sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. No, it's funny how that is. There's a lot of things that are kind of counterintuitive where you think, oh, it'd be easier to keep track of three. But it's like, it's actually harder to keep track of three. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy.
0: Well, anyway, so the book had amazing tips. Oh, good, um, good, good. Some validated things I did, some new new ones too. Especially like coming up with new language for things, Mm. like trying to make things sound better. Yes. Like, ugh, I have a zillion emails to get through. Yes. Like rephrase it and say like.
1: It's engagement time. Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting engaged with, yeah, or like, Yeah. No, it's funny. It's like somebody who said, Would you rather play piano or practice piano? It's like, I would rather play piano. That
0: sounds right. so much more fun. Yeah. It's all in the framing. It's all
1: it, it's funny. I mean, I'm surprised by how often the reframing really does affect the way people view something. It's just kind of crazy.
0: I feel like that's sort of the mission almost of all your books, right? You're yeah. reframing life in a way that makes it like the best version it could possibly be. Yeah. Like you no, by well, either by nice analyzing it oh, yeah. or like, you know, coming up with tips or methods or it's like you're You're categorizing
1: I do have a categorizing mind. Like, I love to, like, label things and put things. People are like, I don't like to have everything in a box. And I'm like, I like to have everything in a box. Are you an abundance lover or a simplicity lover? Are you an overbuyer or an underbuyer? Are you a morning person or a night
0: person? I like, I love that kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like sometimes when things in the world are out of control, which they are, I don't mean today, I mean in general, like, life is out of our control. But the things you can control. Yes. Things like in your home and things in your environment. Yeah. Your bulletin board, like that's something that we can do. That well, and that's what I feel like you empower all your readers to do. It's like. Well, it's interesting
1: because a lot of people have said, because there's kind of a moment, just, you know, you work on a book for so long, you kind of don't know the moment in which your book is going to come out. and But this is a time where everybody, people seem particularly interested in clutter clearing, which is fortunate for me. And several people have said, well, why do you think that is? And I think it's for exactly the reason that you mm-hmm. say. I think people feel like everything's changing very yeah. fast. They feel very overwhelmed by kind of like information and news and and just like things being uncertain and just feeling like there's just a lot of noise. And then it's sort of like, well, can't. Like, can't control the world, I can't control the future, but I can control my bulletin board. And I can make that feel, make me feel calmer. And I think for outer order does contribute to inner calm. And so people are doing it as a way to just get more self-mastery by feeling like, you know, they just feel better in their environment. And and I, you know, sometimes people think that kind of thing is sort of selfish or self-centered. But in fact, what research shows, and I think it's obvious from everyday life, is that when people feel happier, more energized more focused, then they're actually more willing to engage in the world Mm -hmm. and in the problems of other people. It's not like being happy and calm makes you want to drink margaritas on the beach. It (laughs) makes you want to go like register people to vote, you know, when then people who are less happy and more stressed tend to kind of get isolated and defensive Mm -hmm. and they're just dealing with their own problems. And so the idea that it's a waste of your time to clean out your coat closet, I get it. It sounds trivial. I totally get that. And yet, there is a connection where I think if somebody feels like their household is really what they want it to be and very calm, that would actually allow them to turn outward into the world more effectively.
0: Hmm. That's an interesting way to think of people being of service to others by first. It's like, you know. It's well,
1: I mean, so many people quote to me that line about um, put on your own oxygen mask first. And I think Mm -hmm. the reason that people say that all the time is it like it really does work as a metaphor. Mm -hmm. People get it. It's like you can, you know, if you're trying too hard to help other people, like everybody can can suffer for that. Yeah. Instead of like first me, then you, and we can both be fine.
0: So I have to say, your website is like mm. the best website I've like ever got. Oh, gone. that's so nice it's to so hear! It's so well organized. Oh, thank it, you. You can sort like by topic of your blog, by topic of your podcast. You have quizzes. You have pamphlets. Like like, there's nothing you couldn't get out of this website. I spent all the time on it. And I was like, oh, that's I so need nice a to hear. website like this. So, like, are you like the the architect behind mm. the? sections, like, or maybe this goes to your need for categorization yeah, yeah, yeah. And things, but. Well, it's, I'm so, thank you so yeah.
1: much because, oh my gosh, a lot, I have spent a lot of time on that. So when I started my blog, like, I don't know, such a long time ago, maybe 14 years ago, or I can't even remember now. I started it and I did it myself. I literally built it on, mm-hmm. it wasn't even WordPress. What well, was the other one I used? It wasn't even on WordPress at that point. So a lot, it was a long time ago and I built it myself and I updated it. But then at a certain point, I'm like, I need somebody to help me design it. And so I feel really fortunate in that I started small and then just kind of evolved to a bigger and bigger stage. And I think one thing about all the social media stuff is sometimes when you're coming in new and you see what people have built, you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to do that? Mm -hmm. Like, it seems just so overwhelming. And how could I do this and this and this and have all this going? And the fact is, for something like my website, it's really gone through eight major redesigns and but each time building with so much content and so so much stuff already built in mm-hmm. and so but it is horrible every time it's like it's like renovating your kitchen it's right. like What's the latest thing? What are we trying mm-hmm. to accomplish here? What's different from what it was in the past? Like, what, what do people coming in from the outside expect? It's really, really, really hard to do. But I feel like, because I'm always building on something that's already been mostly done, it's a lot easier than it would be if I had just decided, like, starting tomorrow, like, I should right. just build all these resources. and.
0: It's I'll- also great how you link within each thing. So, like, you'll have a blog post, and you'll reference a quote from one of your podcasts, It's, like, so great. It's just, like, the whole thing is, like, enmeshed. It's, like, this uh, web of, like, of character-driven content in every way. It's, like, amazing. That's so great.
1: That's so nice to hear. Well, I think it's my legal training because one thing as a lawyer that they teach you is you just have to have a citation for everything. So I'm constantly feeling like I need to be, like— that's where I said that. That's where that is. You can look up this term here. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, oh, that's funny. So oh, well, that's I, so nice that oh, that's so nice to I appreciate that. Oh, that's good. No one's commented on the site in a long time. So oh, I'm glad that you appreciate like, it. <laughs> I'll have to tell the people who helped who like designed it because uh, a lot of thought went <laughs> into it.
0: On your site, it shows that you're selling two things that I wanted to ask you about. One is the Happiness Project, one sentence journal for mothers, mm-hmm. and the other is the 21 Day Project: Stop Yelling at My Kids. Oh yeah. Okay, so tell me what those are.
1: So the one-sentence journal for mothers—so one of the things I found in the Happiness Project is that a lot of people have a desire to keep a journal. There's sort of like a very strong impulse in a lot of people to keep a journal. But and I know that feeling, and then I have the thing that many people have, which is like by week two of January, you've stopped keeping your journal. You know, you like love buying, going out and buying it and starting it, and then you don't keep it. And so the one set, the idea of the one sentence journal is that you can just write one sentence, and one sentence turns out is enough to kind of scratch that itch. And then also, one sentence brings back a lot. It's like looking at one photograph can kind of bring back a whole host of memories. If you write a sentence, I think it works even more. So the one sentence journal for mothers is because after I created a general one sentence journal. But a lot of people were saying, oh, I'm using this kind of in my family life. I'm like writing down a funny thing my kid says, or I'm writing down a highlight of the day, or I'm keeping it for a child, thinking like I'm going to give this to him when he goes to college. Or it somehow was related to their identity as a mother. And so we thought, oh, we'll create one that's just for mothers. And it's so fun because when I go on book tour, a lot of times people will bring me and show me them. And you can see like the different ink on different days and how sometimes their handwriting is kind of changing. And so that's really fun. So that's the One Sentence Journal for Mothers. And it's kind of a keepsake thing. And then the 21-Day Project is—because I do love, like, 21 days. It's what a lot of people said. Because I'm always like, what's your happiness stumbling block? Like, what's dragging you down? A lot of people say, like, I just spend too much time yelling at my kids. I want to be more patient. I want to build systems so that we don't have to have all this screaming and shouting. I don't want to feel, like, so drained that I have no wherewithal, that I can keep my sense of humor— and so this is a project where you can sign up for it, and then every day for 21 days, it just, it's like one tip of something to think about. And it's all things that you can do without a lot of time, energy, or money, which most people you know, feel like they don't have enough time, energy, or money. So it's just very practical ideas to help you manage yourself more, whether that's something like getting more sleep yourself. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who's got a very, very big job as a journalist, and she said, she works really long hours, and she was saying, like, one of the most important times of her day was her was the morning with her sons, because she often didn't see them very much at night, except, you know, on the weekends, she would always be with them. But during the day, the morning was actually her most kind of intense time with her sons. And she said they just spent all the time yelling and complaining. And she realized what she needed to do was get up a half an hour earlier. Mm-hmm. So she could have her coffee Get dressed in a leisurely way, kind of let herself wake up, because she realized she was scrambling. They were scrambling, you know, and then when she was up a half an hour, then by the time they got up, then she was ready to just kind of help and chat, and that one little thing that wasn't very hard for her to do. For some people, that would be really hard to get up a half an hour earlier. For her, it wasn't. That wasn't the problem. She said it completely transformed her relationship with her children. Because they just had such a more peaceful engagement,
0: yeah, on the just a day to day basis. It's yeah. not
1: like they were, you know, it wasn't like something that would haunt them for their whole lives. It was just a pain. Mm-hmm. It, was an, it was a bad way to start the day, yeah, with your mom yelling at you and or yelling at your kids. This book, How to Be
0: a Happier Parent by K.J. Dillon. Yeah, yeah, I know K.J. Oh, you do? Yeah. yeah, She has something. There was some similar Yeah, Well, she's got a farm, too. Well, that was, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she's got a lot going (laughs) on. I'm like, that's Parent
1: Olympics. Yeah, Yeah, no, she's very much on, like, man, just, like, keep it to a
0: place where you can stay calm. I feel like this would be a good Mother's Day gift, this one oh. sentence for moms. I oh, think I'm yes. Gonna good. I'm going to stock up on those. It's fun. It is fun. <laughs> my mom friends. So what is coming next for you? You have this book coming out. Yeah. You're going on tour soon.
1: I'm going on tour, which I love. I love. Some writers don't like to go on tour, um, but I love getting to meet people. And we also – I and I have a podcast with my sister yep. called Happier with Gretchen Rubin, and we have four live events coming up, which is very exciting. So we've done two before, but this is like a tour. And we have like a tour manager, so we're feeling extremely official. Wow. Yeah. So that's fun. And I did a pledge show for WETA. I just recorded that, so that'll be fun. That's coming out in June. That was a whole new thing to do, so that was exciting.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And what advice would you have for aspiring writers? Ah, so my advice is to know what you want to say.
1: Because this seems like a very obvious thing, but often people want to write, but they don't really know exactly what they're gonna say. And then it's very, very hard to write. But if you, and whenever you feel kind of stuck, if you just get very, just like go for a walk and think, what am I trying to communicate? And then even just write down what you're trying to communicate, mm-hmm. that is, makes it much, much easier. Whenever I'm having trouble writing, it's usually because I don't really know what I wanna say and I'm just trying to kind of fake my way through it. Another thing, for, this is for aspiring writers, right? Yeah. One thing that I've you have something else then no 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 but this is one thing I've noticed and I I I would be curious if you've run into this too. More often than I would expect, and this isn't for fiction writers, this is a nonfiction writer because I'm a nonfiction writer. I'll meet somebody who I don't really know. So, you know, I'm starting to talk to them and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to write a book about XYZ. Mm-hmm. And I read a lot and, I'll, and I will often be like, oh, is it like this book or, you know, what about that book and how is it related? And they're like, oh, I know, I don't know about that book. If you are writing a book in nonfiction, you should acquaint yourself with the other books that are kind of related to your book and Either read them or have a view of them or know them, but if someone is speaking to you about your own subject and you have not read the, like, obvious books about it, it's like, you don't have to read something from the 14th century, but if a book came out three years ago on your subject and you haven't read it, it just makes you seem unprofessional unprepared and not curious and what you want from somebody who's written a book is somebody who's just like loves their subject so much that they just can't get enough of it Mm -hmm. if you're like you can't be bothered to read a book that was a bestseller three years ago I just question like how sincere your interest is in your subject and therefore how deep your thoughts your perception your analysis is going to be so read and think about what you want to say
0: awesome excellent well thank you for coming on Mom's No Time to Read Books I really appreciate it (laughs) It's
1: so much fun to talk to you you too
0: Today's episode was sponsored by Serialbox, S-E-R-I-A-L-B-O-X.com, Serialbox.com, delivering addictive book content in short listen or read installments. Thanks to Ryan and Steve at Texture Sound for the audio editing and mixing. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.